damn well my phone on Do Not Disturb. I'm about to record this new episode of the Miseducation of the People. You know, this time we represent for the fellas. You know, we, we always been doing it for the ladies. We always gonna put the ladies first, but now it's time for us. You know, we trying to get it right. You know what I mean? Uh, helping our brothers grow and become the best version of themselves. You know, talking about what these kids are going through right now because the kids are going through a lot when it comes to school and just in general. And, you know, how we can become better husbands, partners, boyfriends, lovers, etc. You know what I mean? You know, shout out to Ted and Jared, D9 family. You know what I mean? We out here. All right, let's go. Beats by Pete Samples. Miseducation. Miseducation. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of the Miseducation of the People. I am Terrence. Before we get started, um, definitely want to send a blessing and prayers to the family of Breonna Taylor and all those who have lost their lives to the senseless injustice due to white insecurity. Um, we're going to talk about it more later on. I don't want to bring it too damper. You know what I mean? But, you know, always have to shout out the sister because she did not get the justice she deserves. But, you know, we're going to push on. We're going to create some change. But, yeah, welcome to another episode. It's been an eventful week, you know, as usual. Shout outs. You know what I mean? Got to shout out my people. So, uh, shout out to Bear Gang. My shit finally not patchy. <laughs> you know, it hits differently. That bear growth when you're living righteously. You know what I mean? So, uh, but I ain't going to lie, though. I got a confession for y'all. Alright, right. So see what happened was, right? Um, so for many years I have been very vocal about the tragic trend that has been circulating through the hood. And what I'm speaking about is Beijing. Alright, right. So on the East Coast, there's this dye that dudes put in their hair and attempt to bring back their hairlines and shit. You know, they should be gone, but then yeah. But, uh, however, many barbers don't know how to apply it. And that should be looking like a jerry curl, having people out here slipping and tripping, looking like running makeup and shit, you know? Um, I've been anti-Beijing for years, right? It it, kind of pains me to say this, right? So, on my 33rd birthday, right? I unknowingly got Beijing. Oh, hell no! I'm gonna say it unknowingly, alright? It was unknowingly. I ain't know that, right? See, I'm gonna tell y'all my side of the story, right? Alright? So, see, what happened was that um, it really wasn't my fault. You know what I mean? My boy, uh, my, my barber, Kavan, you know, shout out to him. You know, it, it ain't no fault to him either. But, you know, I told him I needed a nice, nice, you know, that, that nice, nice cut. Like, it's your birthday, you know what I mean? You need, need, need that little extra, that, that swag, you know? Like little man said, That's what I need for my birthday. Just that nice, nice, you know? That's not nice. That, that, that type of cut where you got to take your time. I told him, take your time, right? So he was doing his thing, you know, feeling good. I'm like, all right, I'm about to get the get the hookup because he nice with it, you know? Um, So I thought that the stuff he was putting on my face was to do the straight razor because you know when you get the straight line you know they they use uh something to um make it move better like lubricated blade and all that stuff right so i i noticed that he was taking a minute so i asked what it was and he said it's like die and in that moment my heart sunk to my stomach for a second 
actions, I realized he was actually nice with it when I looked in the mirror. So fuck y'all. All right. I might, I, I might have to be team Beijing only if he does it only when I need it. All right, right, right. How about we come to agreement, right? I'm going to only get it when I got to do a photo shoot because, you know, it got to hit right, right? So it's not going to be every day, but I might have to. He nice with it, you know? Y'all be the judge, though. We'll see. But, uh, man, fuck it. I'm about to come out here with the Nas Caesar lace front, and then one of y'all better say nothing, all right? Just nod to the king and recognize the vibes, all right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, also, shout out to my people who love their naps, man. I be doing a pep talk before my nap. I be extra excited. You know, like Jay-Z said, nap so hard, motherfuckers gonna find me or whatever he said. You know, I, I'll be out here. Don't nobody be ready for naps than me. Know what I mean? But um, I, I'm feeling good. Uh, last night when I got the announcement, it definitely um, took me down a little bit. But we go there eventually. But just in general, um, when I'm thinking about where I'm at right now, it feels very good. It's a spirit of me executing right now um, and feeling like that. Everything I've been putting forward is finally coming to fruition. You know, all the shit I manifested, I literally said I was going to do some shit and I'm doing it. So um, it, it's beautiful. You know, Lupe Fiasco said, you know, I'm on a losing strike. I'm on a winning streak. That's what I feel like, you know, since 2017, I've been losing. But I feel like my shit's finally coming. You know, um, I had to get tired of losing, actually, to really get focused. I mean, um, I've been productive as hell, not just busy work, because a lot of people associate with uh being productive of just completing certain tasks but the stuff that i'm doing is moving the company forward and myself too know what i mean so i'm just really proud of you know the work i'm putting in and seeing everything come to life so uh one of the things i did was uh, i filmed the uh volume two of the melanated mental health moment quarantine edition a shout out to alex from the worthy lifestyle app she was on a volume one but you're definitely gonna see more of her in the future you know shout out to you philly was good Part two is in partnership with a beautiful mind foundation out of Maryland. So a beautiful mind foundation, um, they offered some grants to various, uh, organizations across the country who are providing culturally competent mental health resources, um, to communities of color. And, um, the road talk session series was selected and we've received some funding. So with this, uh, we're putting this together. Um, and the purpose is really to help people, to get through quarantine. So it's a weekly self-care video series and I'll be providing coping strategies for when we get into the colder season. So I believe I talked about it before, but when we get into the colder seasons, you know, the sun is not out and that attributes to a lot of people having um, sadness or seasonal depression. Um, and that's because, you know, a lack of vitamin D, the sun emits vitamin D, which in turn um, affects the happy hormone within us, you know? So, um, it's, it's really going to get bad, um, this year already Americans have been facing increased numbers of, uh, diagnoses when it comes to mental health conditions because of the pandemic. Now you're throwing in also, um, the winter time, it's really going to get bad. And we're always, we're already seeing an overwhelming response to people who need assistance when it comes to their mental health and our system that's currently established is not able to take care of all these people and especially in a timely manner um quick fact for y'all i believe it's uh one in four americans have some type of condition but uh a lot of us aren't able to self-assess to be aware that they even have a condition you know 
Um, mental health conditions are simply a chemical imbalance and no one is exempt from them at all. So with this video series, um, the main thing is really providing people access to it. Um, a lot of people don't have education when it comes to mental health resources or how to take care of themselves if they're feeling something. So with this, um, it's all about being innovative and we want this information to be free. So in higher education, we always say we're meeting students where they are. Well, we're meeting people where they are and that's on their phones, you know. So that's going to be coming out in October and also the audio will be released uh on the podcast too you know so it's gonna be like a little mini episode probably drop once a week um i'm not quite sure what day yet but yeah y'all gonna get that but definitely um shout out to a beautiful mind foundation and also their amazing president um adrian augustus will be with us in a few weeks so i'm definitely looking forward to that conversation so again in the mental health bag uh september is suicide prevention month uh i know i mentioned it on twitter that I was going to talk about it in this episode. However, I want to save it for the next episode because, you know, you know me, my numbers, uh, synch synchronicities, whatever. I can't see beat right now. <laughs> so, oh, well. Uh, so it's going to be episode 111. Um, and I think that's really going to be special. And that's going to be next Wednesday. I'm definitely going to meet the deadline because shit was real this past week. But, you know, we, we, we get it out. I mean, I told you all from the very beginning, life occurs, stress occurs. Y'all don't get this shit when it comes out. <laughs> it's free. All right. But, um... Next week, um, that's going to be last week of Suicide Prevention Month. So I'm going to go ahead and share my story. Um, so there is going to be a trigger warning, letting you know that in advance. However, I'm not going into any um, anything too insane. I'm just talking about my story. So I got you. More mental health stuff. Uh, NAMI Walk 2020. Um, so the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Uh, that's an organization that I am a part of and holds a special place within my heart. Um, I've been doing work with NAMI for this past year. Um, I sit on the advisory board for NAMI New Jersey's uh, Act Now program, which stands for African American Community Together Now. And um, I also do some presentations. So it's called In Our Own Voice. And with that, I'm just simply telling my story. And um, I was actually selected to do um, the presentation for the NAMI Walk virtual presentation. So um, NAMI New Jersey usually has a walk, which is a fundraiser, and that helps fund the amazing services and resources that they offer. Um, they are free resources, too. So with this, uh, they usually have a walk down to Seaside Heights. However, due to everything going on, everything's going to be done in a virtual program. However, people still are encouraged to go out there and walk anyway, because it is good for you. Um, so since I am a part of Act Now, we do have a team and we are looking for donations. So if you would like to donate, then please, please, please go ahead and do so. Information is in the show notes. However, um, let me just give you a little idea what Act Now does. So um, Act Now, we have several support groups that we host in the Southern Jersey, Central Jersey and North Jersey regions. We also offer different events and whatnot too we kind of got uh derailed with everything that's going on with covid however we're getting back on track but with act now we're focused on bringing these services to um communities of color within new jersey specifically black communities so we've spoke to the masons in plainfield we've done some school work for in high schools um yeah we do anything really and especially with zoom now it's easier for us to reach out to people so if you would like for us to host an outreach for you, or if you would like to collaborate, then please reach out to me. 
Um, my information will be in the show notes, you know, and then we can make it happen. Definitely. Um, and then also if you are interested in having a, in our own voice presentation done for your workplace, church, fraternity, sorority, whatever, it doesn't matter. It is completely free. Uh, the main thing is that NAMI is trying to bring mental health education and advocacy to everyone. So, you know, it's free. It's done through Zoom. So why not? I mean, and it can also be set up within a matter of days. So shout out to my NAMI and Act Now family over there. All right. So a little, little personal update, you know. Um, so I'm going to call this one the Pop Pop Adventures. I mean, um, I, I've been talking about my grandfather. He's uh, 90, um, about to turn 91 in a few weeks. And he's at the age where his memory is starting to slip. And he thinks he knows everything. So to keep him sharp, I challenge him. And I ain't gonna lie, it's purely for my petty entertainment. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's the Virgo rising in me. Virgos, you know y'all petty as shit. You know the fucking vibes. You know the fucking vibes. <laughs> but um, when I was a kid, we used to talk for hours. And then when I grew up, you know, we just lost that connection. Because just life in general. It's been over a decade since my grandmother has passed. And it used to be them two in the house. But now it's just him. Um, we visit him all the time, but when we aren't there, he just sits in the house and watches TV. And the thing about when you're sedentary like that, you're not challenging yourself mentally and your mind becomes weaker and stimulation is crucial. So I make it a point to talk to him about different topics. So uh, this past week, we, we uh, went down some history stuff. So it's very he had some very interesting takes. Um, he was in the military. And in general, his generation didn't have the luxury of technology like we have. Um, they couldn't fact check in real life like we can. They learned about it later on or whatever they were told just remained permanently. You know, um, they were fed that propaganda from the government and it stuck most of the time. So um, even when it came to uh, stuff like with the Black Panthers and whatnot, he had different views and all that stuff. But then when I brought up the fact that um, the government was bringing in drugs through Vietnam, his tone kind of changed, you know, and his thing about the Black Panthers was that um, he saw them as drug users. However, drugs were used to take down the Black Panthers. So he only saw that one side of the story that the government fed him. So that, that was very interesting. And, you know, I had to let him know, like, nah, they lied to you, Papa. But, you know. It's that generation. They, they don't really get it. And um, even with the whole thing about um, being in the military and saying that the government took care of him, but he really didn't see. Um, it, it's, it's like the mistreatment, I guess, you know, with everything it, It's the glamour that they put on it is to kind of fool you that you're not being fooled i can't really word it properly but you know necessarily he doesn't really see it you know it's like cave people the first people who came out the cave you know they had a hard time going back into the cave but the people who stayed within the cave they couldn't understand what was outside of the cave so that's kind of like what that generation is you know they they know what they know and they don't care about what the actual truth is you know um another thing was uh trusting the vaccines so um, we were talking about the flu virus and I was like, I ain't getting that shit. Um, and he was like, what you, you need to get that? Um, and I'm like, pop up. I'm not trusting these vaccines, especially when you got the COVID vaccine coming out and they're probably going to try to disguise that shit as the flu shot. But, um, in the military, they had to take injections without having any say at all. Like everything was mandatory. So I understand that definitely. And I brought up the fact about the Tuskegee experiments, um, with our woman having, 
hysterectomies done against them in the past um, are unconsensual experimenting on our bodies. And, you know, that's stuff that he wasn't aware of or he was or it could have just been his mind saying that he was aware of. So, you know, this is very interesting. But, you know, just trying to really get as much time as possible with him and to keep his mind stimulated because that's the main thing, you know. So it, I, I feed my pettiness with it. You know, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> but uh, always making sure he's good, though. You know, I'm not petty without reason. Um, but petty gang always. <laughs> but anyway, right now we got the $20 holla sale going on. All shirts are $20 until September 30th at 11.59 p.m. That's right. Everything $20. So the code at checkout is $20 holla. So that's 20-D-O-L-L-A-H-O-L-L-A. So $20 holla. And just to let you know that some of our designs are going in the vault. So if you have been eyeing something, get something right now. Because once they go in the vault, you may or may not get that shit back. It's like Disney. I don't know. It might come back years from now. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, we're going to be dropping some hoodies soon, too. Um, so make sure y'all go ahead and support us, too, if it's not monetary. And the way you can do that is by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. And we got a little contest we're going to do. So the first one to write a re review. And we got a little contest going on. So the first one to write a new review and rate five stars, screenshot it and DM it to at Real Talk Session Series on IG and you will win a free hoodie from our upcoming fall collection release. So that's right. We got a little contest. All you got to do is write a new review, rate that joint five stars, screenshot it and DM to Real Talk Session Series. That's it. That's all. That's all we asking for. We just trying to get back to the people. You know what I mean? ODB said it best. Real Talks for the kids. Real Talk for the people. You know what I mean? Also, subscribe to our email list. Um, we're going to be sending out some exclusive sales and news. Uh, we're trying to grow that list. Um, this is the way that companies grow. Um, so, you know, help us out because we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get active out here. You know what I mean? Uh, link is also within the show notes. So make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, at Real Talk Session Series. Let us know your thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter. I mean, I don't got the Real Talk Session Series Twitter. They they hating with the name, I mean, but I just simply don't got time to run the Twitter for that shit. But I'll be talking my own shit on my own Twitter. So you can follow me, real underscore MR underscore Morgan. So that's real underscore Mr. underscore Morgan. And, um, you know, we got some stuff coming out. Talk to me out there. Let me know how uh, we're doing. Please share the podcast, you know, share our videos get that merch all that good stuff you know and also if you like to just regular donate that's an option please visit realtalksessionseries.org all right now on to some world news uh it's a hot fucking mess out here right so the good sister brianna taylor um did not receive any justice so last episode i talked about how Louisville, kentucky was offering the family of brianna taylor 12 million dollars for a settlement um and that was from Coon as Attorney General Daniel Cameron, who was a Trump supporter. So unfortunately, that did come to life uh, fucking foul. And the thing is that it, it still gets me that someone's choice of occupation is more important than the black population. You 
literally chose the job that you fucking wanted. We didn't choose the skin color that we have. This system was not made for us. And please remember that police in general started as slave catchers and evolved from there. But despite all this, uh, there are still some amazing police officers out there um, trying to make a change from within. Um, I will be having a special guest that is an officer from Willie P. Shout out to her. Now I mean, she is doing her thing. Y'all gonna see who it is. I ain't got, I'm gonna let the suspense go a little bit, but my Willie P. has. Y'all may have an idea, but she she's coming on. But um, right now, please take time to grieve. Feel your feelings. Please do not resort to liquor, drugs, substances, food, sex, or anything else in general that makes you feel good in excess to make you not feel those feelings. Yes, you can still participate in those things, have those things, but make sure you're being aware of if it's taking over other parts of your life or if it's affecting the productivity in other parts of your life. You know, the main thing is that you cannot hide your emotions and feelings. They're going to come back eventually. So please make sure you go through it. Um, I actually had to get off on social media last night because it was just overwhelming. I mean, like all that shit, the energy that's out there. And it was just like nasty, a lot of nastiness out there. Um, so I also encourage you all to take a break from social media and put those phones down. Um, get outside. It's beautiful weather right now. And we're going to be stuck inside for a minute with this COVID shit. So get as much fresh air, get as much light, get as much sun as possible before, you know, it gets real. So Vanessa Bryant is suing the LAPD for taking pictures of the crash site that had Kobe Bryant, his daughter and the other families. Um, they took pictures on their cell phones for their personal and consumption. Fucking nasty. I don't understand where people cross that line. How do they understand, you know, certain things should not be done. But here we are. This is America. I'm no longer really surprised about shit. So next up, it's, it's a lot of nastiness out here. I don't really got to go too deep into shit, but just telling you stories so that you're aware of what's going on in this world. Another story. Um, in a June company memo. Wells Fargo CEO and President Charlie Scherf, whatever the fuck your name is, stated, while it might sound like an excuse, the unfortunate reality is that there is a very limited pool of black talent to recruit from. Get the fuck out of here. This is a damn lie. There are way more mediocre white people in high paying positions that don't know shit. I know a few. I can name them. I ain't gonna do that right now. I need my money first, then I can do it. Cause streets is watching. <laughs> Y'all gonna hear about what's going on. It's gonna unfold eventually. But uh, they were hired because they know somebody or they were kissing somebody's ass. So there's no excuse. Black people are always out here shining, outperforming, and these insecurities of these white people always are blocking our blessings, blocking what we deserve, our rights and whatnot. So fuck that shit. Take your money out of Wells Fargo, put it into a black owned bank, invest in us because they have been blatantly telling us that they don't fuck with us. So when are we going to get tired? This is also a reason why we need more black business owners to create jobs to put our people on. You know what I mean, so when thinking about starting a business, you know, it's not for everyone. I completely understand that. And it's a hard thing to begin, but start thinking about what comes naturally easy to you. What are you better at when, you know, you just barely put any effort in compared to other people and your results come out way better than what others are doing? That's your gift. For me, I slept on myself for mad years when it came to creativity. But now you're looking at the baby stages of a billion dollar company. Now, I mean, the real talk session series. 
I studied how Bob Johnson started BT, how Tyler Perry used email lists to build his empire, how Jay-Z shifted and evolved business-wise. The blueprints are there. You just have to have your eyes open and pay attention to the shit. And most important, be willing to put that work in. This shit is not going to be easy, but it is worth it. I promise you. Just take that first step. So more fuck shit going on in the government. The Pentagon funneled nearly $1 trillion of taxpayer money that was meant for masks and medical supplies for COVID to build jet engines and body armor. Get the fuck out of here. Again, like, I don't understand these people. We pay taxes and all this bullshit. Um, our government is really turning to a fascist society. That means that whoever's running it, similar to like a Hitler, pretty much. So whatever they say goes and they're going to make it happen. So we, we really need to wake the fuck up for real. Um, but a more, a more happy news, some black excellence, because, you know, it's a lot of heaviness this week. And fuck them white people. Let, let's talk about what we out here doing. I mean, we shining. So Deion Sanders, a.k.a. Primetime, was named Jackson State University's head football coach. This shit is major, right? Hopefully this starts a movement. Um, having this type of influence in this position will hopefully attract the star players to come to HBCUs. A lot of the PWIs are recruiting our black athletes, our black talent for their money-making purposes. Nah, fuck out of here, definitely. Coming to a HBCU versus PWI, that is a form of resistance. Our talents produce millions and billions of dollars for these schools that do not give two shits about black bodies. And I can argue that they actually don't care about all students too because remember that colleges are businesses at the end of the day. You're going to see a lot of schools going out of business due to the lack of athletic programs being able to play within the next year or two. This is a long-term play. Hurt them where it matters, and that's in their pockets. So encourage students to go to HBCUs, donate to HBCUs, because we really need the help. This is our people. This is our future. We have the power. It's already proven that the black dollar has mad influence and power. So why can't we put it into our institutions, you know? Um, and just to give you an idea of the type of money that athletics programs bring in, according to ESPN in 2009, Joe Paterno, who was the head football coach for Penn State University, he was the highest paid employee, let me say that again, employee, making over a million dollars a year. The college president it didn't even make that. And that is one salary. So imagine the total amount that is being brought in from the football program alone. Remember, you have other salaries you have to cover. You have insurance. You have equipment. You have maintenance on facilities. You have your tech, etc. That's big fucking money. So with Deion Sanders coming to Jackson State University, hopefully this starts a wave. And there has been rumors that he has some Pro Bowl coaches in mind too so we're gonna see what happens but if he does that that's gonna be fucking wild for real all right so we're gonna get into today's episode um with the real talk session series i've been doing a lot of stuff um and especially having a lot of women's perspectives on there because it's very important to me um especially with black women um black women are the most um disrespected people on earth um, and also we got our disabled brothers and sisters too, which we got to talk about too, because they are even more disrespected too, but eyes aren't there. And oftentimes, you know, there's a stigma with that. So we won't get there, but today is about the fellas. And I mean, um, 
you know, having that representation. Shout out to Ted and Jared. I mean, the good brothers. Um, I am a mental health advocate. I am not a professional. I mean, so I wanted to have some professionals on here. And we just shooting the shit. We talking about everything. Um, we really trying to help the fellas, our brothers, to become the best versions of themselves. Because, you know, a lot of people are afraid to do that work. But we did that work. And we're still doing that work. And it's worth it, you know. So, we just trying to help the fellas out here. So, please, you know, share this episode with one of the fellas that's in your life. And, you know, let's get it. Yo, what's good, fellas? How y'all doing? Doing well. Doing, doing well. well. I, I. So uh, this episode, I want to do something a little bit different uh, because it's not often that we have a group of men come together, especially black men, talking about stuff when it comes to mental health. And I'm a mental health advocate, but, you know, I always like to defer to the professionals. So, you know, I got two professionals on the line. I mean, and, and honestly, too, like I've been a lot uh, a woman heavy on my platform. So, you know, I want to get more fellas in here, you know, get, get the test, test, testosterone out here. And I mean, get that fellas perspective and all that. <laughs> so we're going to have some real good conversation and get into the shits. So before we do that, uh, can you both introduce yourself and let us know what you do? All right. Well, my name is Tad Peterson. Um, I'm a licensed associate counselor in the state of New Jersey. Um, currently, I work for CMO, which is care management organization. So pretty much the work that we do is working with children and families. Um, pretty much helping them get connected to different mental health um, resources, um, dealing with kids in crisis, dealing with kids who have um, developmental and um, emotional um, disabilities, um, and really just trying to, you know, help the family kind of sustain themselves and, and um, find sustainable resources. I'm Jared Washington. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm also licensed in New Jersey as well due to COVID. Um, what I do, man, I'm not even going to lie to you. I do a lot, man. Um, I uh, currently work full-time at Peach State Health Plan, which is one of the CMOs under Medicaid here. Work as a utilization manager, so just like approving and denying authorizations for mental health services and things like that. I also have uh, my own business called HOPE LLC, which stands for Healing, Outreach, Purpose, and Empowerment. Um, I have my own private practice under that, and I also do speaking engagements and stuff like that under my business as well. Um, and I also work on BetterHelp. I don't know if any of you ever heard of BetterHelp, but I'm a therapist on there as well. So those are just some of the things that I'm doing. But yeah. Oh, I I you sound like me with all this other all, all this shit I'm doing now, man. Gotta get the get their <laughs> money somehow, some way, trickle in all, all different ways, right? Absolutely. So I I never imagined myself even getting into mental health advocacy, mental health education. Um, through higher education, I used to do uh, emergency response. So dealing with students who lived on campus and uh, for a, a number of different issues, so roommate conflicts, homemade weapons, you name it, I probably dealt with it. But mostly we, we've done a lot of mental health uh, situations, response to that, including suicidal ideation. But I never had a, a true passion to get into this field until uh, I actually went through something, um, you know, experiencing depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. So what made you both decide to choose this field of mental health? it's a good question. Uh, I know for me, um, I kind of was uh, pushed spiritually to come into this into this field mm. because, you know, I always knew that I wanted to help people in some type of capacity, um, mm. but I didn't know what that capacity uh, would look like. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, even when I got into undergrad at Ramapo, like I, I still was looking at, you know, like uh, teaching. Um, that was like my main thing. It was like, yeah, I could, I could give back. I could help by teaching and stuff like that. Mm. But, you know, I kind of, um, you know, certain things happened and it didn't really work out into my favor. 
Um, but <clears throat> I ended up going, um, I ended up moving to Atlanta and working at a psychiatric hospital. And that's when I was mm. like, yeah, this is, this is, this is my field. This was, I like mental health and things of that nature. And then, um, I kind of was even still straying away from counseling. Right. But I knew mm. I wanted to do mental health, but what happened was, um, you know, God was just kind of really, just really just pushing me, like just saying like, this is, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be a therapist, yada, yada, yada. So I went and got my master's. And that was all she wrote. So okay, what about you, Ted? Um, kind of similar to Jared. Um, I always say that you know, mental health is not for the faint of heart, right? And it's really a, a profession that chooses you. You don't choose mm-hmm. it. Um, you're called to it. Um, I've I tried other things. I tried going for state trooper. I tried going into the military. All of these things I tried to um that I tried to pursue did not work out. So mm-hmm. finally, once I got in alignment and, and got in alignment with my calling. Everything just flowed. The doors yeah. just opened up, um, and just actually just dealing with some of my own mental health issues and and you know family and things like that, and just friends and family would just always want to talk, always want to talk to me. And I used to always say to myself like, I don't even like people. Like, why? Why don't want to <laughs> hey, you sound like me? You sound like me for real. <laughs> I don't like, like I don't want to be bothered, but it, it just yeah. kept happening. It just kept happening. So finally, I'm like, you know what? Everything just flowed once I got my master's and 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 um, even changing my uh, major in undergrad to psych. Things from there just mm. so. Yeah. All right. Hey, Taryn, you want to know what's yeah. funny, man? Your your L your LB. When I was in, uh, I remember one day I, he asked me what was my major. I told him psych, and I remember him telling me he like you'll never have a job, and I was like, mm. what? I'm like, I'm like, nah. I'm like, there's got to be jobs out there for psych majors, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, yeah. you gotta, but, you know, like, like Ted said, it, it, this, this field is not for the faint of heart and you don't, you don't choose it, it chooses you. Like that, that's pivotal, man. I, I think that that's perfectly or well explained because it, it, it thoroughly is like that. You know, this is, it, this field is, yeah. it's not easy. It is hard. You know what I'm saying? It's, um, you know, it, it, it can, it can get very, it can be very taxing at times. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, I thought that was just well said, but I had to bring that up because that was really like a motivation factor for me, yo. And I really still think about that sometimes. Like I'm like, yeah, I remember when such as I said I ain't gonna have no job, but <laughs> look <Yeah>. at me now. <laughs> yo, that's the thing. You gotta use the haters as your motivation to get you forward, for real. You know, yeah. even though like you know, sometimes you people let their ego go to their heads at certain points in times, and then hopefully you know they learn from that later years down the line. Like you shouldn't sleep on people, but you know. It is what it is, you know. You got you got to the point where you at. So definitely salute to y'all. Well, salute to both of y'all actually, because especially when it comes to the qualification that's required for you to be licensed, those hours y'all doing, and sometimes y'all not paying. Like that shit is crazy. So 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 can y'all can y'all explain the qualification process? Because I'm in the know because you know I, I do my research and I'm kind of like adjacent into mental health with my advocacy work, but. What was the qualification process for you all? Because more than ever, we definitely need more black people, especially black men in the mental health field. Well, one, you have to go to school and get your master's degree. Um, so mm. doing having a master's degree um, in mental health is a, at least 60 credits. Um, my program just happened to be 66 credits because I went to a, a Christian school. I went to Nyack College. Um, so mm. I got the spiritual component of counseling, but I also could do you know, the, the diagnosis and the, and the assessments and things like that. So you're kind of like you get the secular, but you also get the spiritual component, um, which mm. is another conversation. But um, nonetheless, after that, you have to, uh, while in school, take the comp exams, the comprehensive exam. 
Then after that, you apply to take your national counselor exam, um, which is the NCE. So that's the equivalent of somebody like a nurse taking their NCLEX or a doctor taking their, their MCAT. So mm-hmm. once you pass that exam, um, you know, you get your temporary license. Now for New Jersey, um, when I was in school, it was 4,500 hours. I believe now, I think, it's, <laughs> I think now we're changing to 3,000. Um, so once I complete my 3,000 hours, then I can apply to become a licensed professional counselor, which is what Jared is. So I don't know how it is for, for Georgia, um, but that's how it is for New Jersey. Yeah, for Georgia, it's, it's exactly the same. Um, literally exactly the same. You go, I, I don't even have to repeat it. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so real quick then, since this is similar, with these hours, are you being compensated for it or is more so just like internship hours, unpaid work? No, you're being compensated for it. Um, you're being, it's like work. Yeah, it's like wherever okay. you find your job at, mm-hmm. that's what that's that's counted towards your hours. The what you Got have you. to pay, what you have to pay for though in Georgia is supervision. So you have mm-hmm. to get like a super like like not a supervisor in the sense of like your manager at your job, but yeah. you have to get um somebody who can sign off one sign off off your hours and somebody that can provide supervision or guidance into you know, what it is that you're doing at your job. So mm-hmm. you, that can look like, um, you know, like just pretend I'm a supervisor and, mm-hmm. uh, and Ted is, is working at a, at, a, uh, at a private practice and he has yeah. a difficult client and he's new in the field. So he's like, yeah, hey, how do I handle a client that is borderline personality disorder? And I, and I can give supervision or guidance to help him to assist him with that. So you have to have so many, so many hours of supervision as well. And that's what you mm. pay for, at least in Atlanta, or Georgia, rather. So it's like that—that's the piece that I don't really understand. Like, if you're already working for an agency and these supervisors are there, why isn't that built in there without the barrier of having to pay for somebody? You know, and that—that's like one of the issues with the hours and with this. But at least now, I'm glad you all uh, debunked the myth because I always heard that. You didn't get paid for your hours that you were doing for supervision. So that's good that you had to debunk that, though, definitely. But, yeah, <laughs> the qualification process is, is crazy to me. But, you know, it is what it is. Because, honestly, with me, I'm a mental health advocate. I do my own research, and I have my own um, experiential uh, experience with, with kids. And I know more stuff than some of these counselors do. But I'm like, I'm not going back to school, though. So, <laughs> I mean, salute to y'all, though, definitely. So so let's, let's take it more to, like, one of the reasons why I want to have y'all here. So... What are some of the biggest issues that y'all see with men, especially black men in today's ages? I think the ability to be vulnerable. I think that's yeah. the, that's one of the biggest things that I'll see, right? The, um, the expressing, being able to uh, express yourself without mm-hmm. judgment and being able to be vulnerable, um, being able to debunk the, the myth of vulnerability being a sign of weakness. You know what Facts. I'm saying? I think that's one of the biggest things that I see in black men, um, you know, on the different platforms that I, that I, that I, that I um, practice therapy on. I, you always hear, not always, but you hear black men say like, yeah, you know, I didn't really want to try therapy because, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I don't, I don't. I might not have believed in it, or um, you know, I didn't. I didn't feel comfortable just expressing myself or just talking to a stranger about my problems and stuff like that. But that goes back to that mm-hmm. vulnerability piece. You know what I'm saying? Like just that being able to to be vulnerable and um, without judgment, and uh, you know, being able to express yourself. So, mm-hmm. got you, got you. 
You want to add anything else on that tag? Because I want to ask you specifically about the children. So before I get to that, though, I want to see if you got anything else you want to add to here. Um, kind of to piggyback off of that, I think, you know, just growing up in the era where, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. Yeah. So, you know, people kind of um, can keep their problems and their issues to themselves. They really don't want to express. Um, and also just it's that big trust factor, too. Right. You know, can I share my yeah. information with you and without having to hear about it in the street or having it, you know, resurface? You know, so I think that's yep. that's the, a huge factor as well. Yeah. And like, just to add on to it with this too, like I see, honestly, a lot of it comes from childhood trauma, um, especially like for me, like I wasn't really taught how to navigate my life. You know, like we were taught how to survive, you know, we, we know, I know how to work hard, but necessarily I don't know what self-care looks like. I don't know what emotions look like. It took me over like maybe 25 years to actually figure out what different emotions were besides madness and love and happiness. And I mean, right. like not realizing that we're so intricate as human beings. And I mean, and even how to effectively communicate, that's, that's one thing that I see too, because um, oftentimes people take correction as a punishment and they don't want to hold themselves accountable because their ego is right there. So that's some of the stuff that I've seen definitely. And, um, I think that it really comes from, you know, not having that inspiration or being poured into as a child, you know, and really being put on game because, you know, sometimes you got to be put on game to know how to move accordingly, you know, and that's not what's really been happening. So that that's something that, you know, I've been seeing with men, but with, with our children nowadays, you know, they're going through a lot. They're Black Panther died. They're going through virtual schooling. They're facing a lot of different changes and adults oftentimes don't really understand what they're going through so ted what are some of the biggest issues that you're seeing with the children of today's times oh man that i i don't even know where to start to be honest um yeah. you know i believe what children don't talk out they act out right so mm-hmm. you you have a child that's used to a normal routine so i work with some kids that have developmental disabilities um we call it dd and you know they're used to structure they're used to routine so taking mm-hmm. them away from that routine and that structure you know, they're acting out now. You know, a lot of my kids are being hospitalized. A lot of them are going into crisis. Why? Because they don't have that structure. They, that, that their, their normalcy has is, is been taken away from them. So, you yeah. know, I have to explain to some of the parents that I work with, like, you know, I understand it's frustrating, but, you know, he's used to going to school. He's used to working with his his, his teachers. He's used mm-hmm. to seeing his friends. He's used to working with his therapist. Like, he, he's used to that routine. Now that he's home all day, it's, it's different, you know? Yep. Even adults, we had to we had to adjust. I had to adjust to working remotely. It was a huge transition. So, I mean, you take you talk about as an adult, the transition. Now you take a child that's, you know, 14, 15 or 10 or 11. Yeah, they're, they're going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. And even for me, like one thing that I noticed, cause like I'm not a professional, it's like also oftentimes people forget that children are experiencing stuff for the first time, for the very first time ever. Whereas with adults, we like, oh, we've done this before and it should be like, it's kind of like we teach through osmosis. It's like, I know this, so you should know it. But we don't think about the process of breaking it down of this is how you do step one, step two, step three, you know? So definitely with the kids, it's, yeah. Um, Can you give some advice on how adults can help the children if they're going through something? Because, you know, oftentimes the, the correction is usually discipline and discipline isn't always needed to help out when a, when a child is going through something emotionally or acting out. So can you give a, a tip to the parents out there and the future parents, honestly, because we all need to have these tools on how to help out our, our children when they're going through this process and they're not adjusting well. I think one of the things for me is like with me being a new dad, it's just like, 
it's a it's an adjustment. Congrats, congrats. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on that. Um, so it re- definitely requires a lot of patience. Um, you know, you have to realize that children are vulnerable. Um, they're very teachable. Um, and we have to lead by example sometimes, right? So sometimes you can't just say it, but you have to actually show them or you actually have to do it with them. Um, yeah. I feel like a lot of parents as well really doesn't really don't know that there's a lot of supports out there for children, especially for youth and families. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of really just reaching out for help. Or if you feel like they, they need further um, evaluation, really just being okay with them not being okay, if that makes sense. You know, because a lot of times yeah. parents don't want to accept the truth. They don't. They may not want to accept that their child is autistic. They may not right. want to accept that their child has been diagnosed with ADHD or whatever the case. Or their child might possibly need medication, which I'm not really big on. But sometimes it is helpful, you know, yeah. and it's okay. It's like sometimes you you need that. You need that extra support. Um, so really, just not being afraid to to take that those necessary steps if 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 it comes to that. Yeah, and that's definitely big. Like what you said there, the big theme was stigma. And that's one thing that I'm seeing also, like when I was coming out with my mental health journey, like where I'm from, you know, we I'm, I'm sure we come from the same environment, you know, our schools, our families, our communities didn't tell us about mental health, but I don't want to generalize. So I'm talking about me. So for me, I didn't come from that environment. So I really had to learn on my own. And I was like, even when I, I became a resident assistant in college, I still had that mentality of, oh, this mental health condition will never happen to me, even though, you know. I was educated on it and I saw what it looked like when other people were going through it. And I knew how to help others when they were going through the situation, but I still had that invincibility mindset of, Oh, this will never happen to me. And that comes from a point of being uninformed and uneducated, which there's no, there's nothing wrong with it. But however, when you see that there's information that you don't know and you actively choose not to take that information in, then that's when it becomes problematic. So, you know, I just really want people to get out there and, to expand their mindsets and to realize that mental health is really a true illness that we need to take seriously. Because I see that oftentimes with injuries, they don't take it seriously unless they can actually see it, a broken bone or something like that. They're like, oh yeah, you got that. But with mental health, it is an invisible um, disease, you know? So yeah, just gotta keep pushing forward. So so what, what are some of your thoughts on how we can really erase that stigma? Um, because I know for me, I use conversation as a tool to expose people and educate people. But from a professional point of view, what's the best way for us to uh, to knock down and just to destroy stigma associated with mental health conditions? We got to normalize it. You know, mm-hmm. we got to, um, you know, I think like for me, one way that I, I try to uh, normalize it is like talking about some of the mental health issues that I dealt with. You know what I'm saying? Like I did like a whole interview on it and, you know, it got like a pretty good amount of views and people were, you know, I don't want to say surprisingly, but a lot of people were hitting me up and was like, wow, I didn't know you dealt with that. I also deal with this mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. So I think just like like you said, like starting that conversation, but also normalizing it under so that people can understand that it's not just some foreign thing. It's not something that only uh, a few people deal with. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody can deal with mental health. Anybody can deal with um, you know, uh, depression and anxiety. Like yeah. anybody could de- could deal with that. It's not something you're just born with. You know what I'm saying? Like, granted, if 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 like your mom is depressed that while you're in the womb, you're more you're more um, prone to it. But yeah. outside of that, you can still develop you can still develop symptoms of depression and anxiety and things of that nature. So, again, making you know normalizing it, starting the conversation around it. 
people coming forward and, and just saying like, hey, like, you know, even though HIPAA and confidentiality and stuff like that, yeah. you know, even some people being brave enough to come forward and say, hey, this is what I deal with and this is how I handle it. And I'm still successful. I'm still a functioning human being. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because people feel like if you if you struggle with mental health, that you're not you're not going to be able to be that you're not able to be a functioning human being or that you're crazy or that something's wrong with you. And that's not, that's not it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So again, we just have to normalize that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I feel like nowadays with everything that's occurring, um, there's more of a, more of awareness on mental health. Um, we, we still have a long way to go, um, but we kind of are not where we used to mm. be. Um, but you know, everyone has a story, right? You know, everyone has a story. Everyone has a past. Um, life happens to, to us all. Um, we all have experiences that we that we go through. Um, and I, re- I didn't realize this, but like a lot of the experiences that I went through in my childhood, I'm now actually getting families or, or you have those same issues. And not to say that, you know, I can help them just because I went through mm-hmm. it, but I can relate, I can empathize. I can, yeah. you know, I, I can say, I, I kind of know where you're coming from. I don't know what you're experiencing exactly because we have different, you know, feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. But however, yeah, I could understand. But that, 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 ability, that the ability to relate is very crucial. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, when I tell you that, like, I've had clients. One thing about how I practice and I tell my clients this, I'm like, hey, listen, if I feel like I have a story that relates mm-hmm. or I have a story that um, you can uh, identify with, I'll share it with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because I feel like it'll be helpful in the therapeutic process. It'll be helpful with building rapport because that's one thing. If you don't have rapport in your therapeutic in your therapeutic setting, then the, then it won't work. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that that's the um you know sharing some of those experiences with your clients shows them that you're human too. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? It shows them that you're human as well. It shows them that you've had your own experiences mm-hmm. and that you might you had similar you possibly had similar experiences and can understand where they're coming from and understand where where they're at you're meeting them where they're at mm-hmm. and that's so like you said that's so crucial and it's so important yeah um my, you know so yeah especially like with mental health uh professionals too because i'm like i can't relate to that white professional at all like even though you may have had <laughs> similar si- similar things but it's like that black dynamic you don't know what it's like to be in my black skin i mean but you go ahead Ted, because i uh, kind of interrupt you even um, so, one of my requirements of my of my school was we they made us go to counseling ourselves. Like it was a requirement to graduate, mm-hmm. so we had fifteen sessions of individual and twelve sessions of group counseling. Mm-hmm. So when we first when I first started my program, I'm like, I'm good. Like I ain't got no issues. Like I'm all right. Like well, I didn't need counseling for. And I you know I didn't realize like yo I really jacked up. Like, I really yeah. Jacked up. <laughs> yeah. Like I got some stuff going on, and it kind of helped me. You know, I kind of continued after uh-huh. that, and then. You know, at the time when I was in grad school, I was preparing for marriage. So, you know, I realized, damn, we have to go to couples counseling. Some more stuff came out. It was just like, it was crazy. So you never realize how much it can actually be helpful. Thanks. So, you know, it's kind of like sitting, I, I sat in both seats. I sat in the, the, the you know, being a client mm-hmm. seat and now I'm sitting in the, the professional seat. But it's really helpful because, you know, we realize don't we, we don't realize how much baggage we have. As well, that's true, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely true. And I, I'm gonna touch on that too when you're talking about the marriage counseling because that's that's something we need to talk about also. But I got to one last question. We're gonna switch gears. So, um, conversation is very important, and you know, we said that it, we need to start normalizing stuff, right? So, we, we mm-hmm. know within our immediate and far circles that some some of our peoples be fucking up, right? Especially men, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
what's the best way to approach telling your your, your man is that yo they fucking up because that's something that a conversation really start having um I, I believe I'm an advocate in it's not what you say, it's how you yep. say it, right? Yeah. So, um, and then two, it, it's it's all about your approach and the environment, right? So if if I'm if I'm with my frat bros, like I'm sometimes you know we we need to call our bros out like mm-hmm. that, you know we can have that, but like if it's something really serious, pull them to the side or just have a, a separate conversation, like yo, bro, you know everything all right, and and really just if you have that rapport with that person then you kind of know how you can approach them. Um, But even if you don't really have that rapport, you can, you know, just have a conversation, have a casual conversation, check in, you know, is everything okay? What's not working out? Blah, blah, blah. And then you you don't know what will come out. Um, But I I believe it's, again, how you say it. So. Mm. Absolutely. I would agree with that. You know, this is how you say it. And it's the rapport you got with them. And, um, and just taking them to the side and just being straight up with them. You know what I'm saying? You ain't trying to embarrass them. You ain't trying to make them feel or, or, or look dumb or stupid or, or bad. You know, you just want to, you know, point out what you see. Yeah. You know, point out whether it's toxic or unhealthy. And, yeah. You know, because ultimately you just want the best for your bros. So. And, and sometimes, though, you reach the obstacle of them not being able to self accept accountability, being able to communicate effectively and having an ego in place. So how do you approach it when those barriers in place, you know, or, or if you have a better example of if you had an issue with holding yourself accountable or communication or ego in the past, how did you gain the lessons to get past that part of your, in your chapter in your life? I had to fall flat on my face. Mm. (laughs) Same thing with me. (laughs) I had to, I had to fall flat on my face and you know what I'm saying? In order for me to wake up out of that, you know? Mm. And when you're dealing with people like that, all you can do is present them with the facts. And if they decide to digest it, then that's up to them, you know? And uh, that's the most that you can do. Yeah. You know, you can't, mm. you can't force it. You can't force feed it. You can't, you know, cause then that just, you know, that just, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, drives a further divide. That's what I was trying to say. Mm. Um, so all you could all you could do is present them with the facts, present them with what you're seeing, explain to them how you how you feel like it could be potentially unhealthy or toxic or whatever the words you want to use. Yeah. And um and go from there. Just hopefully they they not, you know they digest it and receive it. Mm. Yeah. I, I and I'm sure Jared can agree with this, but it's like it's sort of like what we do in our profession, right? I always tell people my job is not to change you. Mm-hmm. I don't have the, the tools, I don't have the, the power or the authority to change you. That's that's not what I'm here mm-hmm. for. My job is to give you different tools that you can ho- hopefully use to make yourself better or to change your situation. But eventually, you have to put in the work. You have Absolutely. to make the changes. Like, yep. So it's the same thing. I can give you the facts. I can give you the information. But if you don't do anything with that, I mean. I then I don't know what to do. I can't make you. Do yeah, it. exactly. Yep. And that's one thing exactly. too, like I had to learn because with higher education, I do a lot of counseling when it comes to students. So helping them out through whatever they're going through, academics, home life issues, et cetera. And I had to learn early on that you're not going to be able to save every single person that you talk to. So you got to give them the rope. If they hang themselves, you did your part. You were acting with honor, but at the end of the day, they didn't do what was required. So, you know, definitely um, salute to y'all with that. So let's switch gears a little bit, get back to uh, what Ted touched on earlier. So relationships, um, y'all both are married, y'all have beautiful families and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to, ha- to to learn, how did y'all get to that point and drop any resources that you have? Because I feel that a lot of people, including myself, I ain't going to lie, like I had to learn how the relationships work on my own. So, you know, drop some jewels on, you know, how y'all got to this point right now. 
You want to start? You want to take that? We want to start off, Jerry. Or you... <laughs> so, I, yeah, I... Jerry, so, wait, Jerry I, got wifey I, in the room, so he got he got to be careful. Say, <laughs> nah, I'll fuck with you. Now nah, she just now nah, she just walked she just walked down. She just went to get some coffee. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, repeat the question again. Repeat the question. So, how did y'all get to this point? of being married and you know i'm assuming from the outside as a happily uh um it's as a happy uh marriage so how did you get to the point of learning how relationships work and you know just dropping oh. the jewels yeah, yeah my fault i should have framed uh, it no you good um man uh trial and error um i think the biggest piece is communication um, you gotta be able to communicate because I was one of those guys where, you know, I get upset, I shut down. Even after my training and after being a, a, a licensed therapist, I would still shut down if I got angry. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, but that wasn't working. You know, she, you know, if, if there's an issue, you know, my wife is the type where she's like, yeah, like let's talk about it, let's talk it out, and things of that nature, and I'm. Like, nah, I'm good. I'll figure it out on my own. But that don't work. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I I think for me and in in my marriage, I think communication is like the biggest, the biggest piece um, to it to 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 really, you know, get to the point of where you want to be as far as being happy and all of that good stuff. But yeah, that communication piece is absolutely important. Got you, got you. Mm. Uh, for me, I, I feel like for me or for us, it was one having that strong foundation. So my wife and I were actually friends first before we even started dating. Um, she and I met in college, um, we dated, you know, then we courted. Um, so we were together for seven years before I even proposed to her. So it's like just getting that, you know, getting to know each other. That's a good other, number. Not really That's a good number. Seven. <laughs> yeah it is that is a good number um, <laughs> um you know not rushing into things and, and, and similar to what jared said like really communication so my wife is like the type like you know if there's an issue she wants to talk about it then and there mm. whereas me like I, I like to take all the information in and she's like well what do you think and i'm like uh like i don't want to talk about it now like let me process what you're saying first because i think you know, my issue was is really not listening. So when she starts saying something, I get defensive. Like, what you mean? What you talking about? She's like, no, listen. So now I'm to the point where I, I listen to what she has to say. And then now we have a conversation. And then now, especially with us having a child, it's like communication really got to be on point because once he gets older, you know, we got to, if, if she and I don't have a, a strong foundation, then he's going to be playing us, try to play, play us against one another. Like, and that's not, that, that's not happening. Yeah. Like that's, he's not going to be running this household. You know what I'm saying? So it's like really just establishing that foundation, um, you know, having date night, you know, still dating each other, mm. um, not forgetting one another. Um, I mean, it, it's a lot, man. Marriage is marriage is a blessing. It's a great it's great, but it's work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like people see what's on TV and, oh, you know, happily. No, nah, it's not like that. It, it's some days where it's rough. It's some days where I don't like my wife. I'm be honest. It's some days she don't like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's real. You know what I'm saying? I don't, and I feel like people... You know, we people. One of the things I appreciated before we got married was we talked to married couples, mm. like, and it was like, listen, it's gonna be some days where you, it's gonna be rough. And you know, we talked to couples that's been married for 40, 25, 30 years, like, and it gave us the real. Yeah. 
Because it's, mm-hmm. it's not happy all, happy all the time. It's just not. It's not. That's not realistic. No. Absolutely. That, that's one thing. <laughs> that's like I, I've seen firsthand. <laughs> I've seen that firsthand because I was formerly engaged, and then now I'm single again. So it's like a lot of stuff, especially like from seeing how how you're raised and how you try to adopt that into where you're at now and seeing that it doesn't work. You know what I mean? So it's like when you don't got the manual or guidance, it's like you're out here on your own freaking shit out. But, you know, salute to y'all. Thank you for dropping those jewels, you know, and definitely, you know, communication is key. I'm seeing that in a lot of areas. So salute. Thank you. Um, So let's go to something, you know, because right now we're all inside. We don't got shit to do. You can't go anywhere and it's about to get even worse. So let's talk about social media, right? So what is the impact that social media has on mental health? So, cause I, I don't think people understand like the magnitude of what it's doing to people. Hmm. Social media, mental health. Uh, I think that, I think it's twofold, right? I think there's some positives, but I also think there's some negatives, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of the, some of the positives when you think about, uh, uh, social media is that you're you're starting to see a lot of therapists come out with these pages, uh, with these uh, with these platforms yeah. educating about um, mental health. Right? I mean, I'm even one of them. I have I call it my business page, but it's really just my page where I just do like a lot of like um, inspirational, motivational, and promotional stuff as well um, of of mental health type services and things like that. I even might have like some quotes. And stuff, and ask people to comment and start up the dialogue and stuff like that, mm. or whatever. I think those are the positives, but some of the negatives that we have is that, um, you know, you get, you have like social media allows for you to put on this uh, like facade, right? It, nice. it allows you cre- to create something, an alternate reality, right? And then you have people. Who uh sh- who may struggle with things like perfectionism, or who may struggle with um comparing their lives to others? So mm. just so that so to put this in perspective, if you have a client, like I may have a client that says, "Yeah, my life is," or I don't feel like I'm worthy enough for this, mm. or my life isn't good enough because I'm not here, or I'm not um I'm not I'm not married yet, or I'm not um, out of college yet, or I don't have that house yet. And what they're seeing on social media is um, people maybe uh, acquiring those things that they want, but not understanding the maybe the work that maybe that that uh, that went into it, or yeah. um, not understanding the the hardships that come with it, or you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I think that how social media can play on. Uh, our um, our mental health and and those type of ways. So, yeah, that's what I think. Wow, honestly, I, Jared hit the nail right on the head. Um, I'm actually taking a break from social media. Mm. Um, one just just for for those particular reasons, but also like you know, like you said, that it's such it could be such a negative um stigma. You know, people arguing and just just petty stuff like yep. I. So it's like sometimes I just need to clear my mind from what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, you know, social media is not reality, right? It, it's mm-hmm. Jared's reality is not my reality. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. like you said, it's a, it's a way for some people to put on the show. It's a way for some, some people to put on the front. And it's like, all right, well, you know, it, especially when you know the person, I think that's, that's Man, really key for listen. me. <laughs> <laughs> you know the person. Oh, sorry, you were just struggling to pay your rent last week. 
But now you, now you in Cancun. Like, stop it, five. I had like, some you know people use my, my bottle of Hennessy for a picture to stunt. So, like, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's not real. So sometimes I think I, I think for me, it, I was becoming so clouded with that, and it's just like, nah, I, I can't. I, I, so I'm really just. T- I think I've been off about two months now. Um, and really, I got back into journaling. I'm getting back into reading and just really just focusing on myself and my family. You know what I'm saying? And, and focusing on what my reality and what my life is and not really necessarily looking at what the next person has. Because, you know, for me, I didn't realize how much it was having an effect on me subconsciously. Like, yeah. you know, because now I'm like, oh, God, babe, we got to do this. Or we got to go here. We got to get this. And I'm like, wait, where's this coming from? And I realized I was comparing myself to somebody else, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And not really focusing on, on my craft and focusing on where God has me. So I think that's that's what it did to me. So yeah. <clears throat> I think Jared definitely made a, a lot of valid points in our group. Man, I need to take a social media detox. I ain't gonna lie. But like for my business, I use it for a tool to reach out to new organizations to connect with and for research purposes. And yeah. But also too, I, I, want, I want your opinion on this, right? Because with PTSD, they always talk about it um, more so in the physical. But do you think that PTSD, a, a new form of PTSD is being created by social media? Because you can scroll randomly and see a picture of a police officer killing a black person. And I know for me, that small second, even though I scroll past it really fast, is still in the back of my mind. So do you think that social media is creating a new form of PTSD? I think what social media is doing is... Um... I won't necessarily call it PTSD. I, 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 it's a, it's another term mm. uh, called racial trauma or race-based traumatic stress. Oh, uh, is that the same um, thing as uh, racial battle fatigue, or is different? I heard of racial battle fatigue, but I'm not too familiar with it. Okay, because um, that was more so like speaking to, to microaggressions, I believe. So I don't know if that's a connection with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of microaggressions, but it's also speaking to what you're talking about as well. When you're fine, when you're Looking at, um, and I can pull up the definition real quick because I'd like do presentations on racial or race based trauma and uh, race based traumatic stress and intergenerational trauma as it relates to African Americans and all that. So, racial trauma is the cumulative effects of racism on an individual's mental and physical health. Mm. So, that that's basically what you're talking about. So, like when you're talking about police brutality, that like against African Americans or Black people, that's racism, right? Mm. And so, and that's the and and it's and again, it, racial trauma is the cumulative effects of racism on the individual's mental and physical health. So, when you're talking about, um, so you about to get me in my bag, Sam. <laughs> but when, when you're talking about when when you're talking about um, those clips, right? They are traumatizing. Mm. Even if you just watch, even like perfect example, George Floyd. I haven't watched the clip, but I still have to pick the image yeah, of the dude's neck, or I mean, the dude's knee on his neck, mm-hmm. right? And that's just from scrolling social media. Social media is making making uh, making these types of videos so easily accessible. But what we're not realizing as a people is that we're further traumatizing ourselves, mm-hmm. right? by continuously watching these videos, continuously um, consuming that type of content, you know, and like day in and day out. It's like almost every other day now, you know what I'm saying? Like you're finding out about another body or whatever. So it's, um, so I would say that, yeah, it is causing some more trauma or a different form of trauma that we're not uh, particularly familiar with or particularly uh, uh, used to seeing. 
in this type of capacity. Like we may see it through the news, mm. but now we're seeing it at the in the like right in our hands. Like 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 literally, it'll be on my lunch break, and I can see, uh, or not even on my lunch break. I could be at my desk. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And I can see, and I can see another black or brown body being murdered, literally, like to the point where it's starting to become um, uh, normalized in society. Mm. Um, you know what I'm saying. So. But uh, but then you can even talk about intergenerational trauma, and I and I won't talk too much about that because I, I want, that's I want real. To, I want to hear Ted. That's real. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Because you have historical trauma, right? Which is just like uh, which is like slavery, which is a, a, which is a historical traumatic event, mm-hmm. and then you don't have any time, and then slavery ends. You have no no. It's not like slavery ended, and they said let's bring in the therapist to provide therapy for. The, uh, the now free slaves, yep. you know, what what actually happened was more trauma. You know what I'm saying? And so it's only it's only right that you see African-Americans or black people in America exhibit trauma responses and pass it down and label it as culture. You know wow. what I'm saying? And so and so you have that. And then what's happening is those same trauma responses or those experiences are being reinforced by modern day or contemporary race-based traumatic stress, mm-hmm. seeing George Floyd being killed on on a, on a, on te- on television or on your phone, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. you're seeing, so it's being reinforced. It's being, it's 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 crazy how it works, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But the craziest part is, and I'm gonna stop right here. The craziest part is, is that you had we had no space till this day, no space mm-hmm. provided for us to truly heal from the wounds of slavery and truly heal from the uh, uh, the daily race-based traumatic stress that we experience on a day-to-day yep. basis. And to yeah. add on to that too, if you look at it, we still got that mindset of work hard, work hard, work hard, black people. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. these medi- mediocre white people at top, they don't do shit. <laughs> and like, we're the ones putting the work too. So like, that's a part of the intergenerational... Uh, um, trauma that we face because we're still conditioned to work hard while they up there just chilling and prospering off our work so you know it's slavery just evolved different so so let, let's take it to a point where uh get, get a little less get a little less heavy you know let's get a little light you know um so we got this thing called the karen chronicles over here so tell us about a time you had to deal with a karen a chad a tanner a belly whoever uh during your times being a uh, a mental health professional Mm. <laughs> so it it was it was one time where um I was working as a behavioral assistant. Um so that's before I got my before I started going to grad school. And you know, I work I me I'm working I, mental health doesn't doesn't discriminate, right? You have an issue, you have an issue black, white, chinese, hispanic, it doesn't matter. You we all have yeah. different issues. Mm. So I had one time I walked into to the home. No, I called. So I called, introduced myself. I don't think the family knew that I was black. Mm. So I get to the home and the person straight out was just like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to work with you. Like, I don't, I don't want my son working wow. with you. Mm. And I was like, well, is there a reason why? And it was just like, well, no, you know, we just, we, we just prefer somebody else. I'm like, well, I haven't even started working. Like I haven't even introduced myself. Like I, we haven't even gone on any of the consent forms, nothing. Mm. So like, just because I was black and the family was, was white, they didn't want to work with me. So, I mean, you, you do have that, you know, some people, 
they don't, you know, feel like black people should be in the mental health field because we be honest, one, this field is predominantly ran by females, and then two, it's mostly Caucasian. Um, so mm-hmm. we're, you know, the very few, you know, that one holds a master's degree, and then two are in mental health. So we're like, you know, it's like, wow, it's kind of unheard of, right? Um, but, you know, we kind of broke that stigma. But, yeah, you know, sometimes you will get families or you will get people that don't want to work with you just because you're black. And they don't feel like, they feel like a white person is more qualified mm. <laughs> than, a, than, than a black person, which is not the case. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't know if I could really think of one off the top of my head. Not to say that it hasn't happened. I'm sure it has, but... I, I can't I can't really think of one. I mean on better help when you might have some people that may um that may uh you know decide to switch counselors and you may not know why or whatever. Um, you know, I've had people switch counselors, you know, switch from me because I was a male, you know. Um mm. but uh, you know, with better help, you know, I actually used to think when I used to get white clients, like no lie, I used to be like Man, they gonna switch, bro. I know they gonna switch. Like, <laughs> like once, once they see me, where you know, and this was, and this you got is a like, beard. I got a beard. You know, sometimes I got yeah. like a little fro or whatever, like a little tiny fro, and I don't get dressed up for my sessions. I'll have a regular t-shirt on and do a whole yeah. session with you, straight up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get dressed up. I don't. You know, maybe every now and again, I might have my business polo on or whatever, and that may be because I may be doing something after or prior, but. Straight mm. session, straight T-shirt, and I'm like, I know they're gonna switch. I know it. I know it. But some of them, did, some they're of like, them did. Some of them didn't though. So you know, but, but they're like, who this nigger? Yo, word up, word up. And I, I got even like some white women. Like I got white women. Like like some of my clients are white women, and I'm like shocked that they like still work with me sometimes. I'm like, you know, because I'm not like your, I'm not your 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 typical. Your typical, uh, your typical therapist, or, or you know, in a sense, right? I'm not like I'm not yeah. about to come up here in a suit. I'm not about to be sitting all proper and straight up. Like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be comfortable, and and, and you know what I'm saying. And I'm gonna, uh, but we are gonna do this work, you know. Yeah, this work. And that's the thing, like that European standard is there, which is ridiculous because like it doesn't matter what you look like. It's about if you get this work done or not, and people need to relate to you. And the people that I'm trying to get in touch with. They don't wear suit and ties. They don't speak properly all the time. So, like, that's why I always, when I'm in different mental health spaces, which is very white, I explain to them, like, I'm like, I don't have to assimilate to you because I'm not here to serve you. <laughs> I'm here to serve somebody else. You know what I mean? Yep. But but I appreciate y'all, fellas. Thank you for the, for everything. Um, y'all can go ahead and plug your stuff, how people can reach you. And if you can provide any free virtual resources for men, uh, because that's very important, especially with the upcoming uh, winter months coming Um because it's about to get real out here with this COVID shit. So uh, if y'all could, go ahead and do that, please. I'll give you my website, my Instagram. Um, so my Instagram is j.washington.hope. And hope is H-O-P-E. That's my business Instagram. Um, you'll find a lot of information, like it's motivational, inspirational, and promotional type things on there. And, and all things related to mental health, um, especially black mental health. Um, also you can, uh, you can go to visit my website, which is www.jwhopeservices.com. Um, you, you can go in there, you can just read about what my business does, um, uh, which is basically private practice as well as speaking engagements or public speaking rather. Um, you can see, uh, also, uh, some of the services I provide and things of that nature, um, 
So those are some ways that you can find me. Oh, you can also, if you have, if anybody hears this and wants to email me, ask me some questions, I'll give you my email address as well. It's Jared, J-A-R-E-D-L-P-C at jwhope.com. So that's my email and a resource for black men. Um, not sure if you heard about this already, Taryn, but it's called therapyforblackmen.org. That's a, a, a resource. It's a directory for um, for uh, black men, uh, for, for black men to uh, reach or outreach counselors or therapists. Bet, bet, bet. All right, Ted, what's, what's up with you? So I'm not on, at, at this time, I'm not on social media. Um, but if you have any, any further questions or if you just want to, you know, have, want to chop it up, you can reach me on my email, tpfuture, um, F-U-T-U-R-E-1999 at gmail.com. Um, if you also need any mental health resources for, um, you know, the state of New Jersey, um, you know, you can look up perform care, you can look up, um, you know, there's, there's crisis centers all throughout the state. Um, and you know, there's really a lot of support out there. Um, it's just a matter of just taking the time and asking the questions and, and, you know, getting the, really just getting the help and taking that first step. Got you. Got you. I appreciate y'all fellas. Thank you for everything. Uh, people make sure y'all hit them up. Everything that they just said will be in the show notes. So you don't got to worry about writing everything down. I got you, but fellas, appreciate y'all, man. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the miseducation of the people proudly brought to you by the real talk session series, where all we do is provide that real talk only. I right, peace.